Hello, everybody. It's Timmy Gibson here with you for another great conversation. Uh, real quick, a little tidbit uh, or a little uh, heads up. Uh, after I did this interview with Fred Heron, I later on that day realized that I had neglected to ask uh, a couple closing questions. And so on the first recording, it'll, it'll, I'll say, hey, goodbye. It was great talking to you whatever well just hold on because then right after that is the the ps uh portion of the interview that i had with former evangelical mega church pastor who founded vineyard church up in the northland here in kansas city and uh, a great story of well, it's a great turnaround story, I guess. It's a great story of, of redemption, uh, but it's also a, a evolving story that, that you're getting to be a part of, like right in the middle of transition. So uh, some insightful things uh, that Fred will share for sure. And a really neat guy, very kind-hearted, uh, very, very intelligent. Uh, I can tell that he's... Um, very um, knowledgeable of the scriptures and yet he um, I think he doesn't um, well I'll let him tell you. you you just listen to the interview my interview with the one the only Fred Heron Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Fred Heron. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, Timmy. Good to hear you. Good to I'm hear doing, you, too. I'm doing well. Great. How was your haircut this morning? Hey, it's awesome. Good. They, they get them all cut for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what getting... my dad used to always say. Did you get all of them cut? I'm like, exactly. Yeah, I did. I think she did it, man. She did a good job. Well, you're you're lucky like me. You have a full head of hair, or at least unless that was a toupee that I I saw yeah. the other day. <laughs> right. It does it does help with the uh, age factor, doesn't it? When you got your hair and uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Well, hey, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your your morning to allow me to have a conversation with you. Um, you know, as I mentioned over coffee, the kind of the subtitle of the Timmy Gibson show is escaping religion and finding faith. And so I love having conversations with people that have uh, that kind of story. I mean, not that it needs to follow a certain path. We're all on our own path, but um, a, a, a church member of mine or a former church member when I was a pastor um, came from your church uh, to my church, and she was literally a model citizen, <laughs> and uh, she spoke so highly of you uh, back in the day, and then recently she reached out to me and, and said, I should probably reach out to you and connect with you, that you have uh, a fascinating story, which uh, we don't necessarily have to get into the nitty-gritty details of, of that story unless you want to tell uh, nitty-grittier parts of it. The main thing that I'd like to talk to you about is kind of post all of that like where you are spiritually what's your view now on the bible and god and jesus and all that but so everyone here that listens to this podcast um can you give them just a, a little bit of a snapshot of who you are and and kind of a a little bit of a brief story to catch people up to to fred 
Sure. Um, yeah, I grew up in Kansas City and Prairie Village in elementary school. And then uh, my dad was a TBA guy and we moved Northland in the 70s. And I graduated from Park Hill High School. Uh, as a teenager, I, I grew up in church, but um, as a teenager, I uh, kind of went off the tracks, kind of into the drug culture, but then I uh, had an experience with Jesus that was uh, life-changing, got me out of the whole drug scene, felt called to be a pastor at uh, the age of uh, like 16, 17. And uh, I took the education route in the denomination I was with. So evangelical denomination, I went to college, Baylor, went to seminary in, in Texas, spent eight years down there <clears throat> doing a bachelor's, master's, went on staff at a church in Virginia. And then 1990, I moved back to Kansas City, Missouri and started a vineyard church in 1990. And that it was a small beginning, just a few people. And, uh, it just kind of grew every year over the course of 28 years until I had a major meltdown in, uh, and kind of was publicized in 2018. And really just in the last few, in the last month, have I started doing anything publicly again since that 2018 meltdown two years ago yeah yeah you made the you made the front page of the kansas city star back then yeah unfortunately yeah my transition (laughs) my transition and my my story didn't didn't make any newspapers thank goodness (laughs) yeah i thought all the years we served uh the city faithfully i never got front page news on all of that stuff but uh any rate, it, it it happened, you know. So sure, sure. I think mega so, church pastors who have a public, you know, public fall make public news. I guess so. Yeah, you know, and 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 it was just kind of a side comment, but you're you're so right in that it is sad that all the wonderful, great, powerful community things that you guys did and were involved in are countless for those twenty years. And like you said, none of that, none of that got highlighted, but man, the second you fuck up at all, man, they're on it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's the nature of uh, how news sells, I think. So, yep. I think it, yep, absolutely. Well, let's get, let's just, let's get into it, Fred. I I have so many questions. You know, a lot of this, we, we briefly talked about uh, over coffee and, and I literally have been just, um, excited, um, chomping at the bit, I think, as, as they say, at, at, at this interview with you, just because of my own personal uh, journey. And I, I know that my listeners will, will enjoy uh, your perspective um, and enjoy, you know, anyone's perspective. I've interviewed people from atheists to still evangelical hardcore people and, and, um, you know, everybody has a story and everybody has a journey. So I'm, I'm curious. So let's, let's, let's back up to the, the evolution, if you will, or the, the transition of kind of where you are in your quote unquote evangelical beliefs. Would you still consider yourself 
an evangelical? If so, why, why not? Yeah, that, I mean, I don't have a, a solid answer for that question because my, so when I got, I was, I was off to rehab for 120 days. So November 10th of 2018, I was sent to rehab uh, by my board of directors and I was in, in two different rehabs in Georgia for 120 days. And when I got back, and this was a Xanax issue, right? Yeah, this was alcohol Xanax. Um, I hadn't had a long history with alcohol uh, and I hadn't had a long history with Xanax, either one, both of them kind of came together because I was trying to deal with a chronic insomnia issues that I'd had for 25 years. Um, sure. But yeah, so when I got back, um, I really felt, I, I felt like I was an atheist. I was, I was so angry at myself. If God existed, I was angry at God. I was, I had a lot of anger that, um, and, and that was never really an acceptable emotion to me. I'd always stuffed anger, suppressed it, you know, that kind of thing. But it was just the meltdown was too complete to ignore any of that stuff. And so sure. 2019 um, was a very dark year for me. And while I, I, you know, intellectually, I don't I've never identified as an atheist, um, certainly emotionally, all of 2000. 19 i would have or the large majority of 2019 i would have felt that way sure and uh, you know like it even and i i was even praying because i'd always prayed i'd prayed my whole life but but it just was an experience where there was no sense of anything being there when i was praying you know yeah. it was just complete uh it felt like spiritually it felt like complete darkness for me yeah, uh, very. If there very, was a God. He died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and I'm crying out. If he's there, I'm angry. If he's not there, I'm just crying out in the dark. You know, I'm just praying to the walls in my house or whatever. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Anyway, it was a it was a dark day, and I and I guess in that experience, I literally questioned everything I'd ever believed. So to your question about what I identify with evangelicalism, um, that certainly was my home. Um, even as a vineyard pastor, I would, I would have probably consider myself a progressive evangelical pastor. Sure. And, and then last year I would have just, uh, questioned everything, every single thing I'd ever believed was under, felt like it was gone. Felt yeah. like I, 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 either it was gone or I was questioning it. And, and then I really wasn't trying to make anything come back either. Like I wasn't like going, oh, my God, I've lost my faith. Oh, my God. I, I wasn't panicking about it. It's just where I was at. Right. And, and, and I didn't go on a quest to try to get any of it back. So I would say now, you know. Uh, it's interesting what has come back and what hasn't. And that's that's a journey. And yeah. I'm it's a journey that I'm on. So there'd be some things that I was previously, um, you know, pressing the limits on in the evangelical world. There's some things now that I directly question that are in the evangelical world, but 
but definitely in a process. I'm not, sure. I haven't arrived at where I'm at currently. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's a, that's a fascinating, you know, much like you being on a, on a spiritual quest or a spiritual journey. Um, I, you know, I peered over the fence at atheism and, and have some good friends who, you know, call themselves atheists. Um, I just, you know, I just, there was, it was, it was my, my belief. There was such a deep, profound belief in, in something, whether, you know, and when I say God, I mean, I'm, I personally am not referring to a, the, the Bible God per se, but, you know, the God, like the God, uh, whoever that, that is, you know, higher consciousness, the, the higher power. I mean, whatever people call it mm-hmm, these days, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. my, my definition of who God was completely changed, but I couldn't, I just couldn't, I, like I said, peered over the fence at atheism and I just, my belief is so profound and so deep and so sure that I was like, oh, yeah, just to say there is no God, I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so peered over the fence and then, you know, came back over, but was like, I am clearly not religious, clearly not evangelical Christian anymore. Um, so, you know, I went with the, I guess the popular phrase, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, which, you know, now that's becoming a little bit irritating to me too, but uh, but I understand the context of that because that's a, I, yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, that's a huge topic. What, you know, how do you define religion? Um, what, what is religion? And obviously there's some, some ways to, to look at religion in a positive light, but there's, there's also this, I think the larger, broader audience in the world today kind of sees religion in a negative light yeah. and then spirituality, how you define that, that's a broad term. And that most people see that as a positive thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I, I totally understand, you know, some of the negative manifestations of religion, fundamentalism, yeah. and the, some, some of the oppressive nature that that can take on. And yeah. And then spirituality being a different kind of journey. Yeah, I feel like religion, like it just in my mind, I'm a very simple-minded person and not very edumacated. But uh, when I think of religion, it, it, it's an, there's an association with a, a belief system. In other words, if you're religious, that means that you believe this, 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 and this. Now, it might be a different, different from another religion, but, it, but it's still a set of particular beliefs whereas for me i'm i'm very very open and so i can't say i'm religious because i don't adhere to a certain set of fundamental um beliefs and and i think that's that's again that's just my i don't know where i got that i'm sure all my studies that just has formulated but for me that's how i how and why i would say i'm spiritual not religious religion like you said has a connotation of oh you're religious which means then you're associated with some quote religion so what religion are you (laughs) and then it's like yeah you know so uh, yeah yeah i tend to think of the great traditions like christianity judaism islam buddhism hinduism taoism you know as any of those are religions in my mind right um 
a lot of people would see religion if they think of it negatively. Um, and by the way, I think there's truth that you can find in all of those traditions. Me too. Um, but, um, but at the same time, I find that a large majority of people see religion as negative. So they see it as man-made. Right. Uh, whereas maybe spirituality is something that comes from, from God or from our own, uh, identity and connectedness to everything in the universe, whatever that, you know, you know, some people might not say God, but they would say some kind of a universal consciousness of some sort. But, but yeah, I think some people see that religion would be man-made um, yeah. and they would see it as rule-based and they would see it as like, if you don't believe what we believe, you're, you're out. You know, you're, yeah. and then that has dire consequences in some base, some religions, some, some religions have ideas of hell and some don't, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that a lot of people who I find that are turned off to religion, they've bumped into dogmatic belief systems that have, uh, that have turned them off. Like, you know, like I'm out, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, because one of the questions that I, I get a lot, and it, it's, it's funny, it, I find these kind of questions humorous now just because of my perspective, but people will say, well, you know, how, how do you know what religion is right or what religion is right? I don't know. Did you ever see that TV series on Netflix, uh, The Good Place? I did not. Okay. Well, it's a wonderful, very popular series on Netflix. I've not watched the whole series, but I've watched enough of it to definitely catch the gist of it and to see why it's so popular. Long story short, the, the opening scene is basically the good place is quote unquote heaven. And it starts with this uh, actor that whoever she is, I forget her name. She wakes up and she's sitting in front of quote unquote Michael, <laughs> Michael the archangel, but he just goes by Michael. And she's like, where am I? And he's like, you're at the good place. And he kind of gives her a rundown of yada, yada, this and that and the other. But it was funny because she's like surprised that she's in the good place um, because she knows the life that she lived while on earth. Well, come to find out, she she accidentally, she switched places with someone accidentally and got to the good place and she shouldn't have been at the good place. Anyway, she asked him, well, which, which, she goes, I've always wanted to know which religion is right. And he said, well, you know, uh, Buddhists had it partially right. You know, Christians had it partially right. Hindus had it par partially right. You know, he kind of went through the whole thing. And he said, but, he goes, there was this guy named Walter who, while on an acid trip, and he lived in the 60s, <laughs> he pontificated, while on acid, pontificated about all these, the afterlife and eternity and all that. And she and, and Michael says, and by golly, he got 98% of it right. And so and then he turns around and there's this huge portrait of Walter. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, That's uh, hilarious. and they all like celebrate and, and whatever this guy named Walter, who while on an acid trip, got most of the spiritual stuff right. Anyway, it, it just it's, it was funny. It, it made me laugh. And, and it's but it's something I talked to a lot of people about, because when I was an evangelical Christian, we were right. And that's what I was taught. I needed to win over and convert, evangelize everyone. 
if you're Buddhist, I need to get after them, man, because they're going to go split hell right open and 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 so on. So in, in your mind, it was nice to hear you, or what you said a little bit ago uh, about you think there's a little bit of truth in all of them. Um, what What's kind of your further perspective on what religion is right or even the thought of what do you think <laughs> about that question? I know there's yeah. not an answer, but what do you think about it? Oh, it's fascinating. You know, I, I, when you talked about acid, it made me uh, go off on a tangent there a bit, but because I did, I did some of that in a, in my early teen years, yeah. And certainly, uh, uh, then there's this whole movement that with ayahuasca, you know. Oh and, yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, I was listening to a podcast with Joe, Ro- you know, that Joe Rogan was doing with. Um, one of the guys that has done a huge amount of archaeological research on uh, the ritual use down through the millennia of some of these hallucinogenics. Yeah. And they can go back and archaeologically figure out what was in the wine, you know, yes. of some of these rituals and, and the visions and the visions that people see. And it's interesting. The One of the guys that was an influential uh, in the origins of the vineyard movement was a guy named Lonnie Frisbee. And there's a video, there's a documentary on him called The Hippie Preacher. And he, he met Jesus on an acid trip out in California. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, anyway, when you started talking about the... Uh, the acid trip uh, Walter guy, it, it got me thinking on along those lines. Because uh, one of the vineyard, the vineyard movement, at least what my perception of it is, is the vineyard movement or the, however that it was kind of a hippie, progressive, kind of a free thinking version of evangelicalism. Correct or no? Is that not correct? Yeah, I think uh, I think so. I mean, like it. It was the guy that founded it is is Ken Gullickson. Some people think a guy named John Wimber found it, but it was actually Ken Gullickson. Ken's uh, still alive. He founded, I think, the first vineyard in uh, the mid-1970s. He was on staff at Calvary Chapel. So Vineyard kind of was one of those early what they would call new denominations. And I would say that what the vineyard tried to do, if you put it in evangelical language, they tried to have the best of uh, sort of the Pentecostal charismatic world and the best of sort of the evangelical world, if you will. And right. not that those two are even separate. Sure. But, um, but I think they tried to have a balance between, say, like, you know, the best of sort of that Bible based evangelical world and that Pentecostal spirit experience world. Right. There's some. Yeah. And so uh, that was that was kind of my home for most of my life. I I bumped into I grew up in a in a Baptist tradition that didn't have didn't really talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, you know. Sure. And then when I was in college, uh, came into some experiences with uh, what they might have called a charismatic Baptist church back in those days. And so I kind of opened up to the spirit, you know, and um, and that was. I mean, there's some good stuff that happens in the spirit world. I think, sure. if, whatever you want to want to call that, but yeah, yeah. Um, I am. I, I I I'm 
in flux right now. You know, sure. I really am. I'm, and that's I'm okay. Not landing and and I'm, you know, to say which one is right. You know, so I kind of challenge the whole thing of right and wrong being our highest value. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of people who just get super freaked out on being right about everything, being right about doctrine, being right about this or right about that at, at the expense of relationship and love. Yeah. And so my, when, when you start asking which one's right, so many times you're moving into a doctrinal headspace where what you think and believe is the most important thing versus loving relationship. Yeah. And I would want to move toward loving relationship as being the place to be versus right and wrong doctrines all the time and obsessing about right and wrong doctrines all the time. Yeah. The right and wrong to me seems so divisive. I mean, you see that even right now politically, right? I mean, there's the right and the, 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 the wrong or of course, right and left, but I mean, there's the right, what, here's what you should believe. And if you don't believe like me, then you're wrong rather than just, Exactly. Well, yeah, that that it's so it's so yeah. divisive, and I, I think that one of the things that I so struggled with personally in my and one of the things that kind of just sent me over the edge of of uh, considering, you know, am I even am I still an evangelical Christian? What do I think about all this? And what kind of sent me off over the over the edge was this that is the right and wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. In other words, and I've had yeah. great discussions, you know, my family's still uh, Bible thumper, evangelical fundamental kind of viewpoint. And, you know, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. And, you know, I don't believe that at all anymore, not even kind of, but, you know, in their mm-hmm. mind, it's like, well, the Bible says, and, <laughs> and, it, and right. uh, you know, that gets into the whole circular reasoning thing where it's like, well, the, how do we know the Bible's true? Well, because the Bible says it's true. <laughs> it's just like, that's really, right. that's awfully convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, right. then the, but the second part is, you know, the funny thing about that is just if you're, if you just take an honest look and you don't uh, usurp any of your perspectives, you just look at something honestly. It's it's the Bible. There's a lot of interpretations. There's a lot of room. And how how else do we have some thirty three denominations within Christianity? It's it's because it really. And so when someone says, "Well, the Bible says," it's like, "Well, okay, that's how you're reading it to say." You know, in other yeah. words, that's how you've interpreted yeah. it. But there's a lot of other people that are reading right. it another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it does become yeah. quite challenging to have any kind of conversation when someone's right. just so set on the way they understand mm-hmm. it is the way it is. Or in yeah, 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 yeah. Being aware of your own personal lenses and personal biases that you come to a text with is is a big deal. Um, and a lot of times when you get into fundamentalism, people aren't aware of of their own uh, lens, their own bias, how that, how that lens and bias, uh, that cultural lens probably has influenced everything they read, right? everything they understand. And so once, once you get out of that, you know, getting into other cultures and experiencing other people's perspectives and how, you know, how 
10 different people can read the same text and come away with 10 different uh, understandings. Um, it's, it's an interesting process. I think we all come to, you know, it's like coming to a piece of art and people walk away from a piece of art with different thoughts, feelings, interpretations. Yeah. And, and literature functions at an artistic level in some way or another. Yeah. And I think, I think the fundamentals movement tries to take that away from uh, any kind of uh, text, but especially scripture. And they, you know, no, this is, this is, there's only one way to look at this. There's only one way to interpret this. There's only one way to experience this text. Yeah. When the text itself is, is more alive, more artistic, more breathing more than that, you know? And so, yeah, the number of times I've heard someone say in an argument, well, it's right there, black and white. (laughs) right it's like right oh boy i can't i can't have this conversation (laughs) yeah well and then you 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 can always find another scripture that seems to contradict the one that you just read and so there's this there's this huge paradise paradox dynamic in all of scripture you know when you put the hebrew scripture with the uh, new testament uh and then just start looking at the paradoxes that are there it's uh there are all kinds of paradoxical truths. And so I, I've, I've always valued paradox. You know, some people would call it non-dualistic thinking, but I, I tend to think about it as paradoxical truth and trying to see things from different perspectives, hold things in intention. And uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I think that people's stories and and hearing their stories regardless of their belief system has been super valuable to me so i've been in the recovery community now in kansas city for over a year and a lot of different uh a lot of different manifestations of the recovery community in kansas city and i have just found that human dignity and people wrestling with the issues and questions of life is so inspiring to me yeah. And I've found that people from every walk of life and from every belief system and from every kind of background that I've bumped into over the last year have been incredibly inspiring to me, their stories and their, how they've wrestled with experience and truth and meltdowns. And, and so, uh, I, I try to listen to people yeah. and value what's coming out of the, the dignity and and soul of a person yeah i've been fascinated Uh, by by that as well just the i've become there's this overwhelming sense for me over the last five years that we're all human and we're all the same we all have our struggles we all have our ups we all have our downs we all have our fears we all have our things you know whatever like we're we're and the statistical things that I came to understand that didn't shock me because I was an evangelical pastor for 30 years and you even longer than that would know this to be true. People in the church are just like people outside the church. And so the, 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 the divorce rate is the same and it may even be worse in the church, but you know, it's, it's the same addictions are the same. Um, it, it's the same. And so mm-hmm. that, that, that's, I don't know. There's, that says something uh, and not saying that there's nothing good about religion or faith or any of that. Um, right. 
that that says something that just says something when you really start looking at it and saying you know if this was all that we said it was or all that we think it is wouldn't there be a little bit of a difference <laughs> like man everybody right. who calls himself a christian man the divorce rates real down and they're rich and they're happy and they don't have yeah. addictions and but that's not that's like that's not even the case at all right yeah, and you know it's funny because if you if you're focused on sort of you know right doctrine and um, right practice, let's say you know beliefs and and lifestyle or practice issues, then if you if if a group of people found the exact right truth about it all, you would you would hope that there would be some impact in, in the way they live, that they would be more loving, right? <laughs> that they would be more, that they would be more kind, that they would be more, uh, more wholesome in the way they do relationships yeah. and family and, and wouldn't be riddled and with yet, fear and anxiety and worry. Yeah. I mean, if you're truly trusting yeah. God, then everything's yeah. fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yet you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what group you would jump into. We're all, we've all got these uh, points in our life that, that create struggle and we wrestle with those and we try to figure out, you know, how to be healthier. And uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, there's some, some of the meanest people I've ever met are, church people who think they're right about yep. everything and that's what yeah 100 percent couldn't agree more okay so <laughs> let me let me i want to throw some things at you now i understand uh, uh, and i i i i get the idea that you're in transition and still trying to formulate what you believe so when i ask you these questions just so you know like i'm not expecting you to to a give me the right answer or um that you have to stay there in other words uh, let us be a part of you know kind of your journey where you are right now. So, uh, do you believe? Because uh, well, I guess we don't know, but do you believe in a personal God that if you pray to Him or her, like He or she hears you and goes into motion to help you? Yeah, gosh, that so that's one of the questions that I have wrestled with. Um, in this meltdown of mine and then in re and then questioning everything. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, the scripture obviously reveals like, and when I say scripture, I'm talking about the Hebrew scripture, what, you know, Christians would call the old Testament right. and then the new Testament. So I'm speaking of scripture from the a Christian perspective. Sure. Uh, and, um, and it certainly reveals a God who is triune in nature and, uh, father, son, Holy spirit, that's a new Testament and who is creator and who has these attributes, you know, that you can talk about sort of like God's personality. He's good. He's righteous. He's holy. He's loving. He's this, he's that, you know, and so you put and and for and for some of for some people you would 
speak about how that's a uh, anthropomorphism. I'm, that's a tricky word, anthropomorphism. So like you're ascribing to God human characteristics, right? right? If you think about like Jack London, when he wrote um, Call of the Wild, he ascribed uh, personality and, and human characteristics to a, to a wolf, right? And so the wolf had, you know, it's interesting, Call of the Wild. But um, anyway, um, but if you get into like Buddhism, then it's it's not it's like more uh it's it's not that god has these exact human attributes that he's more of the universe the life force behind things right. you know and and I so that. yeah i i i don't know where i'm at on that and i've looked i've looked more deeply into that into a sort of kind of like that universal force kind of a thing i've read a lot of been reading a lot of buddhist uh texts lately and i've just found it interesting to explore with openness um, for the first time so i when i had my meltdown and i questioned god and i felt like an atheist i there there were things about like if god is this personal god who loves me and i prayed a certain way according to his will for so many years and then he just never answered those things that were according to his will. What does that mean about God? And so if I was angry at a God who maybe existed, then I was angry because it was like, well, a friend wouldn't treat me right. that way. Right. You know, friend wouldn't, you know, set me up for a meltdown. Right. You know, and so that so in my darkness, I was struggling with uh, like, well, well, man, God, you're not your your moral standards aren't even as good as just my best right. friend, right? Or whatever. And it doesn't feel like, and and you know that's kind of at the at the crux of a lot of atheists' issues was like, well, this God you say you worship wouldn't even be a moral God or a friendly right. God, or you know wouldn't have the same ethics as your as what you'd want right. in a best friend. Or yeah, if we were to like do that. what God quote unquote has done in history, then we'd be in jail. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so that, so, you know, I, I wrestled, you know, I, my journals were along those lines. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting is that there's even characters in the Bible that wrestle with that stuff. Right. That that's kind of fascinating to me. You know, like you take like a Job or some of the Psalms that are written that literally, you know, question God, call God on the carpet. Like you're, you're not a moral guy, yeah. you know, whatever. And so, so yeah. So then, then if you think more about sort of a, like, you know, a universal um, kind of situation that there's something out there that I want to believe in that, that brought all this together, that lets us literally even have consciousness and think about this and have this conversation right, about right. it. Right. Like what, what is that? What, <laughs> what, what, what is it that, that me and you are even talking about right now? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what is that that has brought this whole world together on this particular planet with these people that even think and talk about what, what exists and what's real and what's ultimate reality. Yeah. 
all of that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. So I'm, I'm reading a lot of things with more openness than ever before. I'm not ready to just completely uh, jump ship on a personal God, but um, I am rethinking a lot of categories. Like I'm, if there is a personal God, I think he's far more imminent than we realize. Um, and by that, that he's p- more present in everything than we realize, whereas a lot of theologians from my tradition is, has emphasized God's transcendence, that he's separate and higher and holier than us. So he, he's so separate that he, you know, he can't hardly touch this sinful planet. Whereas I think if there is a personal God that, uh, he's probably far more imminent and present in everything than we've ever realized. Okay. so So my next question Jesus. So here, because <laughs> you and I share at least over coffee what I picked up from you, and I and actually I'll be honest with you, I kind of picked this up from most everybody I've ever met. There's a respect for Jesus. Um, you know, I I love Jesus. Now, whether he was God, was the Son of God, born of a virgin, I don't know. I wasn't there. It doesn't change me if if someone if an archaeologist dug up the bones of Jesus and found out that emphatically without any like for sure, hundred percent, this was Jesus and here's his bones. Um, whatever. I, it'd be like, okay, well, great. So that just confirms that he actually did exist. Okay, great. Like it just wouldn't bother me or upset me at all because I follow more the, the heart uh, or the message, I guess, if you, if you will, of Jesus than I do, mm-hmm the 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 quote-unquote man of jesus it's it's his words that Mm -hmm. have it's the message of jesus that has so impacted me anyway so for you personally uh i guess the first part of that question is uh do you think jesus actually existed he was a real a real person and then secondly um do you believe jesus to have been uh god incarnate or just an inspired enlightened uh rabbi teacher okay um yeah so again i mean this so jesus has been my anchor (laughs) (laughs) um literally uh you know and and so even even probably more so than scripture is what but you know jesus is revealed through scripture i mean we really what we know about jesus comes to us through the New Testament, though there are other texts outside of the New Testament that that speak about the historicity of a person, Jesus, you know, in in yeah, the Joseph first interest. Yeah, exactly. So, so I definitely think he was a historical person. I definitely think he was Jewish, and I definitely think that people saw him as a teacher. And I think that I actually think he was a Torah teacher. So I was working on a dissertation and a PhD in the Hebrew Bible uh, it, when I had my meltdown a couple of years ago. And so I put that on hold. But uh, I was writing about the major themes of Jesus are on the kingdom when he teaches. It's, it's his major theme is the kingdom of God. And most of those kingdom, most of the topics that are under that kingdom theme that Jesus talked about, whether it's healing or you know, deliverance or um, love and 
great commandments and all these kind of things come out of the Torah. He was a Torah teacher. I think he was a fairly revolutionary Torah teacher. Um, though, um, if you study, you know, I, I don't want to dive too deep into this stuff, but uh, a lot of the things that Jesus said had been said by other Torah teachers. So not everything that he said was totally radical and unique. Right. Um, and he, and he certainly was flowing out of the Torah. Uh, so, and Torah being the first five books of the old Testament for the, for the evangelical yeah. audience, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is the Torah. So, um, and then Jesus said radical things for a guy who came out of a Jewish background to say, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me, that's, that's a really radical statement. And the I am statements in particular, because it kind of goes back to this understanding of who Yahweh was, and you know, I am that I am is that classic statement that of God's revealing himself to Moses, you know, Moses saying, who, who shall I say sent me? And I'll tell him I am that I am sitting yeah. or you know, the translation yeah. of that is uh, interesting. And so it's like being itself is sending you like the, this flows out of the, the verb to be when God said this to Moses, I am that I am being itself, you know, the life force of everything, like what is what is you know this like and you couldn't even name this god right in in the ancient near east if you could name a god you would have some kind of control or expect some kind of blessing from that god but this 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 yahweh god that i am that i am can't even be named you know so anyway it's an interesting thing that then jesus said all these i am statements you know i'm the bread of life i am the living water i am this i am that and so is he saying that as a jewish person who believed in a monotheistic god and um and then like that sound you know and he was accused of blasphemy because of those kind of right. statements um or was he trying to say it like some people have read into jesus from a more eastern thought process and like it wouldn't be so radical if you were a hindu and said i right. am that i am you know i'm a part of this life force this life being and my my soul spirit is a part of the great soul spirit right. of everything you know so um so i you know i think jesus i still love yeah. jesus <laughs> i still i still like to hold on to him and follow him and so i haven't completely deconstructed uh, my thoughts around Jesus, uh, and but I am, but I am finding it interesting to, to I've read a number of people now who have kind of reinterpreted Jesus through more of a Eastern lens. You know, some people want to like the Jesus seminar guys. I don't know if you're familiar with them, like Marcus Borg and Dominic Cross, and some of those guys would like to say that the, you know, the pre-resurrected Jesus was you know, a human, you know, the right. earthly Jesus, a Torah teacher or prophet, Jewish, you know, they'd root him in that context. But then the post-resurrection influenced mostly by Pauline thinking would have seen Jesus as a cosmic Christ and focused on this, his divinity, right? right? So the classic statement of Jesus from an Orthodox Christian perspective is he's 
fully human and fully divine. Uh, whereas some of your uh, Jesus seminar guys would say, well, his, you know, Paul's the one that really focused on the cosmic Christ, the divinity of Christ to the exclusion of his right. humanity. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading with an open heart. I historically, my whole life, I've identified with classic. He's fully divine, fully God. And he was coming from a Jewish background. So there's a uniqueness to his divinity that's different from just any Eastern person saying that they're divine. But I'm, I am, I'm listening to people that I've never <laughs> listened to with an open heart yeah. before as well and i i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be um i wouldn't be uh trying to uh, you know i i would love i just love having conversations with people yeah. about this stuff right i find that jesus in the in the islamic tradition is valued i find that people in the the hindu buddhist tradition value jesus and I find that um, the Christian tradition value Jesus. Now, I bumped into a lot of rabbis who some value Jesus and think he was an interesting Torah teacher. But I've bumped into some rabbis who who actually don't think Jesus was a good Torah teacher and have an issue with Jesus. Um, I've had more rabbis that have an issue with Jesus than just about yeah. anybody else in the whole world of religion, yeah. you know. So interesting like uh rabbi uh there uh jacob newsner um wrote a book called you know rabbi talks to jesus and it's an interesting read from a from one rabbi on how jesus wasn't a very good wasn't a very good rabbi and a very That's good fascinating. there's a book yeah. actually called living buddha living christ by yeah what do you I've think of that because i just got it i haven't yeah. read it yet yeah the um Tell Fitch, me his name. Fitch he's a Vietnamese. Um, yeah. 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 So he he tries to uh, bring together uh, through through his understanding of the spirits work in the world. He tries to bring together, you know, statements that Buddha said and and the and then the in the in the Buddhist tradition and then statements that Jesus said and show show how. Um, show a lot of unity so I, I found it fascinating it's fun it's fun for me to read people's perspectives on jesus from from different yeah. cultures and i find that they always say some things about jesus that i'm going oh wow i never did thought you ever that. um i'll have to look it up there is a a a gentleman that does he's always he's always no, i don't watch fox but He's always when Fox knew like around Easter, this is the guy they always have on to talk about Jesus. He's considered a, a Jesus expert and he did a seminar on uh, Jesus. Um, and he talks about the, the, you know, Jesus, the man or the, the human that actually walked the earth. And then the, the Christ, you know, the, the, the the spiritual mm -hmm. version of mm -hmm. of jesus um right i can't right. think of his name right now i'm gonna look him up while i'm actually talking to you on the phone because i think it's i, I was really fascinated by a lot of his so, uh, Timmy, when people ask you about that too i really was fascinated by his 
uh, perspective and just the knowledge, you know, he, you can tell he's very, very, very familiar with Jesus. And he, he was a Muslim, grew up a Muslim and then converted to Christianity, became a sold out evangelical Christian. And, and now I don't, I, I think he just may have considers himself spiritual on some level, but he definitely doesn't align with the evangelical Christian, um, perspective anymore it's it's very fascinating yeah uh, i i i don't know who you're talking i'm gonna about, look him up because so, he's famous it's um, he's a if you say his name i might but yeah i'm not honing in on him uh, there he is right saying. there um reza reza on reza oslan i'll have to send you yeah, Reza yeah, Oslan. He's no, got lots and lots and lots of seminars where he has spoken and he's interviewed. Uh, because, like I said, he's an he's an expert on the historical uh, Jesus. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's neat because he's so studied that it, he tells you these facts, like Jesus. You know, from here he was this, he was that. And it was just, there was some neat things that I didn't know because my studies, you know, clearly as an evangelical Christian were more about the Christ, the, you know, the savior of the world, Jesus, the one that turned the wine or the water to wine, Mm -hmm. the one that walked on water, the one that raised Lazarus, like that was the Jesus of my reality. And I really wasn't too familiar Mm -hmm. with the possible carpenter real dude that mm-hmm. actually walked the earth right um i was more the yeah. familiar with the one that floated on floated around everywhere <laughs> right. Right. um anyway so okay right. th- my next question this is a this is a big question i think yeah by the by the way um just uh, richard Rohr. i i've really read a lot of his stuff lately and um he his newest book is called uh, the universal Christ the universal Christ. And, um, yeah, it's, it, he, he, it's, it's an interesting read. Um, I would, I would, I would probably shape up the topic a little bit different than he did, but still he, he hits some really great points in that, in that book. And I, I think it's one that he'd been wanting to read, uh, wanting to write yeah. a long time. He's a Franciscan priest that uh, uh, has written a lot of books. And honestly, one of his books was really, I would say, uh, gave my faith a new uh, boost that I read last year called Falling, uh, Falling Upward. Upward. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. yeah my, your, my next yeah, question is, on, yeah. this is a big, de- <laughs> big debate. The Bible, inerrant, uh, inspired. Is it the word of God? Is it the word of man? What's, what's, what's your thoughts on the Bible? Because that is usually anytime I'm having a quote unquote conversation with a evangelical, you know, well, the Bible says, and, you know, and it's infallible. And what's your, what's your take on the Bible? Yeah, again, um, not, not wanting to pin myself down right now. Right. But, um, but even, even before my meltdown and before going through this whole feeling like an atheist kind of thing. Um, So it's interesting. The, the best 
most conservative thoughts on the Bible as the inerrant word of God uh, came out of uh, an or, you know, a group led by J.I. Packer. And Packer uh, was a, uh, you know, kind of a Calvinist, but thinker. He wrote a book called Knowing God, a very prolific writer, influential in the evangelical world in, in the last century. And they had a uh, they had a statement that they wrote. It's a, it was done in Chicago on inerrancy way back in the late 70s when they were having the Bible wars in the uh, evangelical world, you know. And so they came out with a statement. And the interesting thing to me was that um, the statement says that the that the Bible is inerrant in its original manuscripts. <laughs> Wait, that's not the King James. I thought that Jesus spoke in King James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I have bumped into those Christians, and uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, I, I have, you know, I yeah, that was translated in sixteen eleven. You know about anyway. My goodness, yeah, that's. But I bumped into Christians who thought the King James version was the one that came down from yeah. God. It's crazy. But anyway, no, but even but even the statement about it's an error in the original manuscripts, well, then you go, OK, well, where are the original manuscripts? And right. they don't exist, right? They we don't have the original manuscripts. What we have are copies of copies of copies of copies. And uh, in the Hebrew text, the oldest the oldest text we have are the Dead Sea Scrolls right. and the Hebrew Bible. And then the New Testament, we have fragments of the New Testament that date back to maybe 135 AD. But full texts, you know, come later than that of the New Testament. And, and you have you got hundreds and hundreds of copies of copies, thousands of copies of copies. And you compare and contrast all of these copies together to try to come out, come up with the text that represents right. the original, right? And and then and then what you have, one, even once you come up with what you think is the closest to the original text, um, you always have variant readings, you know, like every every reading that doesn't make sense when you read it in the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic, uh, you know, you can read a variant reading from another copy that says this or has this word different or whatever. And so there's an art to, <laughs> but you know, that's true of every ancient piece of right. literature. I mean, we don't have the original Aristotle's or the original Plato's or the original Josephus or the original, you know, any of these guys, Philo or whoever you're talking about, that was a writer or a historian in the ancient world, all those manuscripts, none of the originals exist. So all you have is copies right. and copies of copies. And so my big thing is that, you know, there's no, what we have are best guesses at the text. Sure. And they're good guesses. And they probably represent the original fairly well. Um, and uh, but my I think that whole argument, it, 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 in my mind, is just not yeah. important. <laughs> Saying sure. all of that to say that. It's well, some like, people think I guess the, the people that subscribe to the inerrant, you know, 
uh, no contradictions, yada, 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 which clearly, if you've, if you've yeah. ever studied the Bible, there are inconsistencies and errors. But anyway, it, it's what they say is if, if it's not inerrant, then it can't be trusted at all. It's like, you, it's like throwing away the yeah. baby with the bathwater. In other yeah. words, if it's not, if there are yeah. errors in it, then the whole thing's an error. It's all it, Again, going back to my thought on literature, like any kind of art um, is valuable because of what it does to the to the person who's experiencing it. And so literature is art in some form or fashion. And so how people experience any kind of piece of literature, even an ancient piece of literature, uh, it, does it affect them? Does it? Does it make them feel or think something that, how does, how does it make them feel? How does it inspire them? How does it guide them or direct them? And all kinds of questions that as we interact with literature, I mean, I'm a reader. I, I, one of my spiritual disciplines is reading. I, I read voraciously and I've been inspired by all kinds of literature from all ages, from all around the world, you know, from different people from different backgrounds and different races and different and that. So, so if, so we don't have the original manuscripts. So this whole argument about inerrancy of scripture, it just isn't important. I think what, what's important is what it, how it affects people as they experience yeah. it, read it. And, um, uh, and what they get from it, how, how does it guide them and direct them and impact their lives sure. and that kind of thing. Well, let me ask you, yeah, which this leads to another you great know, question I, because, again, within the evangelical, and you can tell a lot of my questions are, are for me too. I mean, I, like, I'm just curious, you know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm on a journey as well, but there's so many things that have been uh, without, I don't know how else to put it, just, you know, pounded into my head for you know, most of my life going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every prayer meeting, revival, tent meeting, you know, I mean, being there integrated into this thing, it's like my, it's, it's like my spiritual journey has been literally, and I don't say this necessarily in a bad way, but like climbing out of a rut. I mean, it's just, it's all I've ever known for so long. It's like that movie, The Village. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's, it's, the village is about this community that lives uh, in, in this village. And they said, Hey, out beyond the trees, there's just, there's monsters. And so don't go out beyond the trees. And, and right. one person ends up going out beyond yeah. the trees and, and they live in Dallas. <laughs> and they're like, what the hell, <laughs> you know, come to find out that yeah. holy cow, out beyond the trees was life and a world and, humanity and like what the hell yeah and so for me i literally feel like i spent most my life in the village being being fed this doctrine and then i ventured out beyond the the village and came out and was like what the fuck there's like a whole world out here and you can actually like it just and so that's why i'm literally in as a 51 year old guy feel like a child experiencing the world going, I can actually think that and still be a 
decent human, uh, you know, just and, and don't have to worry about right. hell, which yeah. we'll get to the hell question in a minute. So my my next question yeah, is this, because yeah, yeah. this goes in with the Bible. Uh, so does the heaven, the hell question, which, yeah. By the way, I love I, I'm a big M. Night Shyamalan fan who. I don't know if that's the way to pronounce his name. He's the writer. And oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot of his so. stuff's really good and thought-provoking. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. So yeah. one of the big things that came out of evangelicalism, um, you know, and I personally don't subscribe to any of this, but the whole end times thing, which little side, little side funny note, I find it fascinating. I've never heard anyone that believes that Jesus is coming back or the rapture or all that shit i've never heard anyone that believes in that to believe that it's not going to happen in their lifetime it's always it's always in their lifetime it's always you know i believe the return of christ is near and it's going to happen before the end of my generation every fucking generation has said that and it's just that i find that fascinating again it's like the people that believe narrow is the way only a few go to heaven well that always includes them you know, they're they're always included in the few in <laughs> the same with this end times belief of the return of Jesus. So, again, uh, you know, I know you're still formulating all that stuff, but surely you've had you have a, a thought on the return of Jesus. Is that even a real deal? The rapture end times. What do you think? Yeah, well, so I've never been. I mean, I don't, I don't know your audience, so I don't know if these things even mean anything to them. But I've never been a like a premillennial dispensationalist, yeah. um, and so, uh, so yeah, what you know when you talk about a, you know, I've I've been more influenced by El, George Eldon Ladd and probably N.T. Wright um, when it comes to uh to that stuff which are, which are very kingdom centered theologies and uh yeah well, i don't want to dive into that too much because i don't know your audience but um I w- i'm just saying that's where i was i, I would have been more of a his what, what they might call a historic uh, right. millennial type and i'm guy. curious does that mean yeah do you believe but that, never really that jesus is coming back not Well, so I have this hope <laughs> that all that all of this is going somewhere. Uh, that there's some that there's a flow of redemption, a flow of uh, creation. You know, a flow that that this whole creation is is moving towards someplace good, right. and that. And that I, I was always trying to um, teach that Jesus isn't just a, an insurance policy for eternity, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that he is, he, he wants to, the kingdom, like that kingdom prayer, yeah, your kingdom come, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So like in the recovery community, people, and I'm jumping the gun here a bit, but people would say, you know, hey, we believe in hell. We've been through it. You know, we've walked through (laughs) hell. (laughs) 
uh, there's hell on earth. You know, you look at the suffering of humanity and in all of its manifestations and people, there is, there is hell on earth. Right. And, uh, there's, uh, but we pray for heaven on earth, you know, let, let your kingdom come on earth as it let, let God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God, you know, let, let love penetrate, let create creative wholeness and goodness penetrate everything that there is. And I, if Jesus has anything to do with that, which I've always believed he did. And again, you're, I'm, you're catching me in a, in a, in a, an incredible moment of, um, journey and question everything but i would hope that all of all of creation is moving someplace good and i have hope that uh, creation is that good things are yeah. happening essentially i've been reading a guy named ken wilbur uh who is uh kind of a huge influential person on integral theory and integral faith and uh, i'm reading his big huge magnum opus of the religion of tomorrow and he he kind of synthesizes all of the great religious traditions and it's it's fascinating to read him he's very dense hard to read but but he definitely thinks all of this is moving someplace good someplace uh whole and redemptive this whole experience of life and consciousness and creation is actually yeah. moving someplace good and and redemptive so so i have that hope and if uh and if jesus is who evangelicals think he is then jesus right. certainly has something to do with that right but all right creation but, creation anyway. versus evolution or different or both or neither yeah so i have always loved science and um even as a young evangelical uh, i had a geology professor at baylor that was a was a believer and and felt like the earth was four point five you know, yeah billion years old yeah 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 and the universe is fifteen billion or whatever he believed all of that he believed that the geology points to that I think ge I think biology points to that I think archaeology points to that I I mean if you just take you know anthropology all of those if you take all the sciences everything in the science world points to a, an old earth an old universe yeah they recently discovered a so i've oldest always... uh the oldest human ancestor nearly a full skeleton no no Lucy. so lucy's three million no uh or 1.3 whatever no this is a the newest discovery that is older than lucy yeah, this was just on Joe Rogan. Oh. It's six million year old full skeleton. So a lot more. Lucy is a partial skeleton. Interesting. Whereas this, I think it's called Artie. This yeah. is what they call it like Lucy. And then there's Artie, Arithopithecus, okay. whatever, yada, yada. But it dates back to around six yeah. million years ago. Okay. I, I, I'm not up to speed yeah, on yeah. Artie, but I find whatever. that fascinating. <laughs> but no, I'd read, I'd read all of, I'd read all about Lucy, and I've been to Ethiopia where Lucy was found. I where was Artie found? Similar, I think same, like no? Ken, Ken, uh, Kenya. Okay, is that okay. near Ethiopia? Yeah. So, 
Okay. Yeah, I guess it's in a real rich yeah. area. You know, again, yeah. that flies in the face of the, the standard Christian yeah. uh, story of creation because the cradle right. of uh, humanity is Africa. So that's not mm-hmm. the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a website that uh, some scientists have put together that, that are also believers called BioLogos. And uh, even, um, oh gosh, even the, the, the guy that wrote, uh, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to blank on his name, but at any rate, Francis Collins, Francis Collins, who is a part of the, he helped map, uh, you know, the genetic, the, he helped map the genes, codes and all that stuff. He's a brilliant, brilliant scientist, but he, he wrote the language of God and he's written a number of other books that, so I've always taught an old earth, old universe, and I've always integrated the creation story with that, Um, you know, so it's not a literal six days. It's a, it's a, it's a story from a God who creates and is involved in creation. And, you know, I've integrated the, you know, the science with, with that creation story. I think the creation story is, is an interesting story uh, communicating theological truths. Sure. About a creator, it's more God, palatable than you know. the to me, and much I've, more uh, palatable to believe uh, in that perspective than it is that you know, because we have things that predate six thousand years. So it's like, yeah. well, that's weird. How's that? How's that possible? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it just exactly. makes everything difficult. Exactly. To... Yeah, and God, you know, I've I've heard some people say, you know, God created the earth with all these fossils and all this stuff, and <laughs> You know, like it's the big head, it's the big divine head fake, you know, like fake you guys out, you know, and, you know, it's just weird. I've heard some weird theories around uh, people who hold to to a literal six-day creation. I told you and you said I've actually never heard that. What I was taught in Sunday school is that the dinosaur bones were put here by the devil to, 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 to deceive us. (laughs) In other words, there were no dinosaurs. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I literally have never heard that, but I'm like, wow. And I think that you know, that's honestly, that's, I think part of what my <laughs> challenge has come from is just that because I was raised with such a a uh, distorted or you know very small, you know, just shy of a cult snake handler type upbringing and not not my family it's you know i mean in the sense of a very you know pentecostal tongue talking yeah. all that kind of stuff and you know dinosaur bones were put here by the devil to deceive us and that the earth is six thousand years old and like you said the fossils were in the creation and you know and i just hook mm-hmm. line sinker believe mm-hmm. that and then you know once you get out in the world and you, you know you're i remember being in public school and they were talking about the dinosaurs and i remember i raised my hand and I said, well, I, you know, I was, I'm, I was told by my, at my church, that dinosaur bones are the, of the devil and that's not real. <laughs> and this teacher, she was so gracious. Right. I remember her just, you know, 
she, she didn't get mad or offended. I, she was just gracious. I could tell like, well, okay. You know, well, that's nice Timmy. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and, you know, of course now as an adult, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that I even, uh, like, I'm just, I'm not embarrassed, but it's just, so foolish again it'd be like uh, believing that the earth is flat you know it's like okay that's just so moronic we don't think it's mm-hmm. a sphere we know it's a sphere mm-hmm. um and to so to believe in a flat earth mm-hmm. is just completely blinded you, you're so blind and whatever and so some of my <laughs> some of my mm-hmm. my religious evangelical beliefs are like that to me like wow i can't believe yeah. that i actually believe that way yeah right yeah and you know i mean all of us you know i believed in santa claus i believed in the easter bunny i believed in you know a lot of things as a child and you know are you 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 grow out of those kind of things The, the interesting thing is that a lot of things are taught to children in the bible that um you know, they're supposed to grow out all these other things, but, but no, you hold on to the literal meaning of all of these things yeah. in the Bible, you know, or whatever. So, um, so that's an interesting thing is, uh, is as we grow older and think about things and interact with things and interact with ideas, you know, it causes us, I think, to reexamine I hope everybody goes through. But some people don't, Fred. That's what I've learned. Some people, I I have people that are in their 70s and 80s, and they (laughs) not only, they they only read the Bible. They don't read anything else. They only watch, you know, TBN. They only, you know, they saturate themselves with everything that just continues to feed their narrative, I guess you'd say. And, and. And they're so sure that they're right and that everything else is poison that they can't like they, it's like, yeah, no, I get it. I, I, I've never been that rigid. Uh, I was even in college, you know, I was a religion major. Uh, I did business and religion. (laughs) So I double major. (laughs) i i went bachelor of arts just to keep just so it wasn't a bunch of bs but anyway um but yeah i i was always always loved reading broadly and interacting with all kinds of ideas and i love getting outside my own culture and interacting and even even within american culture there's so many subcultures and i've always loved those subcultures and so so i've always been curious like extraordinarily curious about everything and i like well no, I fred like i love that about you and <laughs> no. it's something that i uh-huh. shared that with you because <laughs> you know being raised so so in that world uh it you know nature versus nurture and yeah. so there for me there was just something yeah. in my nature that was counter to what the nurture was uh and to the chagrin of my parents who wish right. i would have stayed evangelical but um the there was something in my nature that w- you couldn't hold me back again it's like it'd be like uh, you know i was born heterosexual i have friends born uh-huh. homosexual 
um, for them, it's it's the same. It's like, Timmy, I <laughs> I just don't find women uh, sexually attracted to me. You know, they, they, and again, same as me. Like, I'm a heterosexual, so mm-hmm. a man, like, the thought of that's like, ugh, you know, that's just weird. It seems weird to me mm-hmm. only because I'm right. heterosexual, whereas to them, it, you know, so I, I kind of mm-hmm. equate it to that same thing. There was something in my nature that wouldn't allow me to stay in that evangelical and I'm no no offense to the evangelicals, but you know, evangelical narrow-minded view, that dogmatic, this is the way, this is the right interpretation. That just wasn't, that wasn't, Mm -hmm. that's not my destiny. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, it's interesting. Um, I was just talking to a young lady uh, last week that um, grew up in a very rigid uh, Christian home. And, and uh, she, I mean, she was kind of going through a questioning phase in her twenties and she had an extreme amount of uh, guilt and shame connected to Wow. Even the questioning of some of that. Right. And so, um, and so that's interesting. I don't, you know, like, I think that, that kind of, uh, like I'm a bad person because I'm questioning what I was taught in my childhood is a, can be really powerful in people's lives. And I, I was just listening Love to her. Brene Brown, uh, interview Jen Hatmaker. And Jen Hatmaker was um, a gal that was kind of a, a golden girl of the evangelical community. And she was taught, and then she, she kind of went through a whole, I mean, a big author, really well-known gal. And she, her books got, you know, put on a blacklist and she, she was kind of kicked out of her community that she had grown up in, raised in, was kind of a female poster child for. And, uh, she had an extraordinary amount of shame and guilt attached to just beginning to question some of the things that she'd grown up in and then come to some conclusions that were more uh, integrated with her own personhood. Um, And, uh, and so, and you know, I, I mean, I, I've had so much shame about through my meltdown i was drowning in shame i feel like i'm still dealing mm-hmm. with a lot of shame myself and uh and i can re- i can relate to some of the people who might be wrestling with shame as it as it relates to some of the belief because like i felt shame that i here i was the pastor who was sort of the you know um a leader an example for you know what to believe and then yeah. now i now my face right. was shattered. I felt shame for that. Well, of course. You I mean, know? I, I know I dealt with a little bit of that just going through a divorce, being married 25 years to to a wonderful woman uh, who um, I wouldn't have anything negative to say about. Um, the, the And being this relationship guru guy, being the guy that's, you know, on TV all the time talking about relationships. Uh, which, if anything, I have a greater understanding of, of what's important and necessary uh, to achieve a, a long-term, happy, healthy relationship. 
Um, but you know, lo- uh, my shame came from like losing credibility, like in order to teach marriage and relationships, yeah. Timmy, you, you yourself right. need to still be married to your first wife. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and I've worked through that now. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I, I, I say I'm fine. I think yeah. I am. I hear you. I, I'm sure I deal with stuff yeah. still, but for the most part, I, I went to counseling and, and really worked through a lot of that uh, shame and um, yeah. yeah yeah so i am working <laughs> through that timmy like yeah that is a sure. that is a work in progress for me um it's still yeah. fair it's still yeah. very fresh for me right and i literally just am getting public again the right. first time for two years so this is so, part of your your coming out yeah, or so, coming yeah <laughs> Yeah, you and I together, Fred. I mean, yeah, I it's, guess. It's a fascinating. I, I mean, your story, our stories, they're they're different in many ways, uh, but they share a lot of uh, crossover and, and similarities. Um, you know, one being, you know, you you planted vineyard up north. I planted Mercy Church out in Olathe, and and um, you know, your yours was a much bigger, you know, mega church kind of a thing, where mine was a a smaller three four hundred type church, um, and but I was teaching a lot of what my and mine was different there wasn't a downfall but my my transition from evangelical to whatever i would be considered now is what why my church went from you know zero to 400 pretty quickly and then 400 to, to zero pretty quickly was my transition you know i came out of the closet in support yeah. of gay marriage well that was the first that was the first big chunk in Exodus from the church is when I came out and said, Hey, I support, you know, gay marriage. I mean that people just, they couldn't, they just couldn't do it. They could, you know, which shocked me, shocked me. Right. Uh, I I just couldn't believe it. And, and of course, then as I got more into where I didn't think that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes, no man comes to the father except through me or by me or whatever. You know my my teaching on that, what how I understood that and what that means to me now, that then dropped off another huge, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that I was leaving the integrity of the word, right? And, you know, but I'm like, hey guys, I just I just right. can't I I don't look at it that way. I don't think that Jesus meant literally. If you're not a Christian, because Jesus wasn't a Christian, so, so if you're not a if you're not a Christian yeah. and profess Jesus, then you're going to go to hell forever. And I'm like, oh, so I have a lot of problems with that on so many levels. I'm not sure I believe in hell, and so I'm just so uncertain about all that. All right. that that whole statement, I I could literally talk yeah. for hours about, and uh, so again, I started getting into all those teachings. And it, and Colton Pearson's yeah. a real good friend of mine, and uh, so is Jay Baker. I've interviewed both of them on my podcast. Uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's son, uh, Jay Baker, but also, yeah, Carlton Pearson. He and I talked about his yeah. his deal, and you know, yeah. I was at Carlton Pearson's church back then, and and I don't, right. you know, I don't really resonate necessarily with what even Carlton Pearson, uh, whatever his beliefs are, um, but 
I, you know, he's a wonderful person that really values Jesus, and uh, and he's such a great dude, such a great dude, with such mm-hmm. a powerful mm-hmm. force. I mean, I remember going to Azusa yeah. Street or Azusa revivals that he did down in Tulsa at the at the Maybe Center. I mean, there'd be twenty thousand yeah. people at these these. Uh, it was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was the prince of preachers and could sing and get people riled right. up and. Man, I mean, he was just amazing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. Uh, this whole journey has been fascinating. Yeah, I don't I don't know him, but, you know, you know, at a distance, I've, you know, kind of heard about his journey. And yeah, when he came out about not believing in hell, that was a big. Isn't that funny? I don't think item. nowadays it, like it would be that big of a deal. Several. Um, several years but ago. i also find it fascinating that it would be such yeah. a big deal and here's why the reality is nobody knows that's the truth <laughs> so the fact that someone would right. be that that's just fascinating to me that it was that big of a deal when it's like guys come on we really don't know yeah. <laughs> and so how do we know for sure yeah. he's wrong or right how do we know we're right well yeah, I mean, even even scripturally, you know, Jesus talked about Gehenna and these these terms. Like in the in the Hebrew Bible, they just talked about Sheol, which is not the same as right. most people's modern understanding of hell. And um, right. so Sheol was just a place of the dead, you know. So it was kind of like a place of the ancestors lived after they died, and they it was always attached to land. And then, and then if you try to look at how, what Jesus was actually teaching when he talked about this, some of it probably right. is a, like hell on earth kind of thing. It's like it, like we feel like we're going through, when you go through suffering, it feels like you're in hell or purgatory or I felt, you know, in my darkest days, it's just like, yeah. geez, this is, this sucks. You know, I mean, like, like not just, that's, that's an understatement. It's, this feels like hell. You and I share it. like a place of torment, you know? We were both in hell in 2019 and, together. And, you know, I, my, my thoughts is like, if my thought was like, if there is a hell, no, it's not because God wants people there. It, it would have to, re, in my old thinking, it would yeah. have to relate to free will some way or another, uh, you know, but, uh, but I think there's a, a lot of, a lot of question room about what the Hebrew Bible teaches about the afterlife, what Jesus was trying to communicate about, like heaven and hell. And I think all of those things right. have earthly dimensions, right? Um, that um, we, we kind of want heaven on earth, whatever God's kingdom, on, you know, if, if that's still a framework that somebody understands that in, it's, it's a, we want goodness, love sure. and mercy and wholeness on earth. We want shalom on earth, you know, and there's this longing for the, for so many things to come to fruition right. in our hearts that we long yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was always so, I was always fascinated by anyway, the, the singing yeah. hope or joy or or excitedness of, of sending people to hell <laughs> within the within the evangelical movement. I was always so that oh, fascinated me. So see that yeah, if you want people to go to hell, yeah, like there's something wrong with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like what's yeah. going on with your brain? You want like you want your kid to go to hell? Do you want your 
best friend to go in like why is that such a huge deal to you you know i mean especially when even if you're looking at scripture that there's you know there's interesting right uh, there's all kinds of interesting all right so let's talk about some stuff, fun stuff you know? so, we've, so we've talked about anyway. god jesus the bible creation heaven and hell okay yeah 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 <laughs> right yeah just so everybody yeah knows, don't I don't hold fred accountable nor me accountable because we might do this interview in a year <laughs> and have a whole new no whole new view we might just start our whole new religion here <laughs> and and uh in 2000 years people oh, will be talking gosh. about those two yahoos now that that, that, that's a, All right, so here's yeah, the here's the, the fun the fun questions to, to right. lighten up the the <clears throat> deal here with the rate with the latest you know with of course we're going through this 2020 is a year that is going to be remembered and go down in history for sure but um, with the recent government release you know the government releasing the statement of the veracity of or the reality of UFOs. Um, and that being a, a big issue, uh, you know, even Joe Rogan has talked about it and had uh, people on his program that that have witnessed actually, you know, UFOs, Area 51, like all that stuff. I'm just curious, what is your thoughts on on the existence of <laughs> uh, extraterrestrial life or life on other planets or possible UFOs? I'm just curious, what what's your like oh this is free thinking here no one's holding wow. anybody accountable for any of this because we don't fucking know but yeah yeah just what do you so, think i i was cracking up i was cracking up because i listened to uh a, uh, an interview that joe rogan <laughs> yes. did with post, I love malone. post malone and i think they were both stoned out of their brain and it was about a two <laughs> to three hour conversation <laughs> on aliens mostly and <laughs> you have it was it was crazy uh funny but uh anyway you know i've always been a huge science fiction fan i was reading ray bradbury illustrated man when i was a early teen and and, and uh, philip dick some of his stuff and so i was always reading science fiction and then some of my favorite movies you know are are science fiction movies and so i've always had this fascination like i remember in one of Ray Bradbury's short stories in the Illustrated Man, he he conceived of another planet where a Jesus-like figure lands, like like G, this cosmic Jesus went to different planets where different human beings existed, you know, different kinds of alien beings existed, and how how Jesus looked and what he did on different planets based on uh, it was just an, an interest you know so it's like you know that was my first introduction to a cosmic jesus who was you know rolling around the universe landing in different planets and bringing <laughs> good news you know <laughs> it's, it's fascinating so my mind kind of latched on to some of those things um and it, it is when you think about the expanse of the universe, my gosh, why, why would we think that, that we're the only life that exists? I don't know. I, I've, the fact that life does exist is 
a crazy, wondrous thing to think yeah. about. A miracle of some sort, you know. But 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 to think that it wouldn't happen somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I, I think, don't know. You know, even I, I think I'm it open. seems like most people because sure. I everybody I interview, I always ask these same questions because they're fun. And it's you know, it's a great way to kind of end a, a great discussion, but uh, most everyone is is along the same thinking that it would be really uh, very unlikely if we're the only ones, <laughs> considering you know just considering how many planets now that we've uh-huh. that are in the habitable zone and yada yada, and this is just within our own uh, yeah. whatever solar system galaxy. I don't understand all this stuff yet, but it, it, just with the the yeah. vastness, I mean the, the the possibilities of life on other planets when you have. Yeah, about as much as the sands as about every grain of sand on Earth represents how many habitable planets are out in the universe. It it would be, <laughs> that's a lot, right? It would be pretty unlikely that that we're it. Like yeah. this is it. It's just us all alone. Which I've wondered how that yeah. would throw us into a if they ever I'm did the- come down and. Again, just thinking, just open it, open it, just open your mind and just say, okay, who knows? This is a, a crazy thought. I'm, I'm writing a script for a movie. I've often wondered if, if even if, if an alien, right. quote unquote, humans came back to Earth and said, hey, we, you know, we left here hundreds of thousands of years ago. There was a cataclysmic event and we, you know, shot off and we live on an, another planet, but we originated here from Earth. And, and that would just be like mm-hmm. fascinating. <laughs> That'd be a great movie. To yeah. Well, you know, my I, I mentioned this to you. Probably one of my favorite movies was um, yes, uh, Contact, and Carl Sagan wrote the novel, and then Matthew McConaughey played the man of faith. Jodie Foster played the woman of science, and I just thought that was a brilliant. Uh, it kind of left the the person of faith and the person of science in the same place in the end. And I thought that was so fascinating. And, uh, but uh, yeah. I think men in black. <laughs> now, so. <laughs> well, uh... anyway, they're, they're here. They're just, well, they're deep you in know, the ocean. They're, they're right so along I've seen some of those. We just the, don't have some of the Netflix stuff that they have out. That, of course, Ancient <laughs> Aliens. I'm fascinated by that show. It's very, very, very interesting. A uh, little out there, but it's fun oh, to, yeah. to listen to and yeah, watch. Yeah. But you know, when you look at just the Earth and, and some of the yeah. creatures that they've discovered deep within the unreached parts of the ocean, you're like, you know what? Aliens really are here. <laughs> I mean, they're they're living in the oceans. You know, just a different different species altogether but it's just like whoa there are so many different uh, species undiscovered um species that that currently live on our planet and it's just neat being a part of mm-hmm. we live in a fascinating time fred i mean uh, to be in the last however long it's been the progression and the the development and the growth i mean it's just amazing. It's amazing that we're literally having conversations about uh, colonizing Mars. Like what the heck? <laughs> like this is just it's fascinating. It's not sci-fi. It's yeah. for real. And that 
is neat. So you think, man, where mm-hmm. are we going to be in, in a 500 or 1,000 or mm-hmm. 2,000 years? I mean, are people – you just don't know. It's, it's very cool. fun to think about for sure and uh, I always think the best science fiction takes real science yes and projects it forward forwards and, and so uh, and so I have always enjoyed some of the best science fiction I think that's out there and and how you how that right. moves forward you know however many years from now whether a hundred or 500, like you're saying. Yeah. Well, can like, you imagine wow, just going back to the 1200s or 1300s or whatever and, crazy and world. just land one of Elon Musk's rockets in this, in this town square. I mean, right. That would, that it would be <laughs> inconceivable. Right. It would just be the flight. Wasn't even, a, it'd just be crazy. Exactly. And all the theories yeah. and rumors that would start oh. And that's a whole nother, that, that, that happened, brings up a whole nother topic because from? I personally, yeah. my personal, personal, again, this is just, I'm free thinking here, but my personal view on the, is, uh, of course, you know, the earth is whatever, 4.53 billion years old, but I, I believe we've come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. I believe that there's been cataclysmic events that we've been technical, technologically advanced. I mean, look at the pyramids, how in God's name, did they do that? Uh, it's like we still can't figure that out. So yeah. Explain that with all of our technology, flying to the moon, all diamond cutting Truly. lasers. Yeah. And, I mean, you name it. We don't know how they built the pyramids. And we, in fact, could barely yeah. do it today. And it would co- it, it would the resources that it would take to build it. And the manpower is such that we won't do it because it's it, it's too out. We can't. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. To me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was on an airplane flight. I was sitting beside a Jewish guy, and I was I had my Hebrew Bible out, and so he he recognized it, and and he he opened it up to. Genesis 1 and you know where it talks about man being made in the divine image and he he 100% like he wasn't pulling my leg he he believed that those were aliens that came and started life here on earth and see I don't that was his interpretation I I don't think that's weird at all I don't think that's weird at all because how else in the image of God yeah so I was like at the time I at the time, I right. thought it was like, no, me really? too. I That's would have thought the think? same thing, yeah. but now, because I can but, actually, in my mind, imagine just imagine <laughs> if something like that even happened today, you'd be like, oh, those are like gods, or whoa. But, but so back, back then, you know, uh-huh. I mean, right. I'm not saying yeah, this to yeah. be true, I'm just saying, like, Jesus, yeah, yeah he might have been an alien. <laughs> I mean. And in all intents and purposes, God is an alien because yeah. he's outside of this. So, yeah that that doesn't right. that doesn't make me scream heresy. <laughs> did did you, you ever know see what? The old movie, I never the did. Be crazy. It's it's a total total B movie, but you know it's like a 
a Coke bottle falls from the heavens. Right. And they've never seen it. You know, a bottle it before, is. But so that's they... I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> it makes so much sense. <laughs> they start they start worshiping. Yeah, they start worshiping the Coke bottle. Well, Fred, listen, I can't tell you how much I've appreciated uh, having having met you, and of course, enjoying coffee and conversation, and then having this conversation, a recorded conversation that will be um, going out to the to the world here later on today. Um, Yeah, just fascinating. It's been it's been like I can tell you have such a sincere heart and uh, a love for. Uh, God and a love for Jesus and a love for people, you know, and all those things that in, that I I value and and share, but also such an openness in theology and the understanding of of God and 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 the understanding of ultimately we don't know, you know, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? I mean, I can tell you what I think and what I whatever I can tell you all that, but. Ultimately, we don't know, but I think the one value that you value and the one value that I value for sure is the, the, the main message that I think Jesus communicated or they say he did communicate this was, is a me- message of love. And, and that's what changes the world, you know, loving yourself, loving yeah. others, loving this Definitely. planet, loving whatever, yeah. whatever God you serve or whatever the God is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most important yeah yeah i mean love love god love your neighbor and yeah. i mean jesus boiled it down really well right uh yep and and you love yep. i don't think you can too. love others unless um, you love yourself nor can you receive love from so, others unless you love yourself yeah 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 so i appreciate yeah. you reaching out yeah. timmy yeah and, you're welcome uh, all right man enjoy the rest of your day i really brother. do thank you all right bye-bye well hey fred a little a little ps to this to this podcast today yeah i wanted to uh earlier and really got sidetracked with all of our great discussion and forgot to ask so what is next for fred heron yes great question and I'm not 100% sure on that one either, like everything else you asked me. <laughs> but uh, I am start. I, I started doing blogs, and I, I started with my story so people could go to realfredheron.com. Okay. And that's where I'm posting blogs. I've done six blogs on my story and six videos on that and kind of went through my 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 meltdown was so public i went through that and then i went through how i'm doing now and then i'm going to be starting um a whole series of content i'm calling it spirituality adventures and i'll be doing interviewing uh as well as you know talks and i'll i'll have a pretty robust uh, content plan that'll be coming out awesome all the social media platforms at least uh, twitter instagram facebook and my website realfredheron.com Okay. And people can connect through those those things and follow what I'm doing. And I'm not Great. sure where it's gonna take me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't life isn't life just an interesting journey, man? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can't predict where you'll be and what what's what, but you just gotta get up every day and keep trucking forward and 
loving yourself and loving people and figuring it out. <laughs> right. That's right. So, yeah, well, that answers. Yeah, that answers my second question. I was going to ask how do people get, you know, how can they follow your journey? So it's the the real Fred Heron dot com. Yeah. OK. And that's also your handle for what? Instagram, Facebook, Facebook and yeah, and Twitter. Right. Twitter. Do you have a YouTube yep. channel as well or? Yeah. Real Fred Heron again. Okay. That's all yeah. good. Good. That's smart. Well, great. Well, Hey, I really appreciate it again. And, and like I said, I wanted to add just a little PS to the end of this uh, interview earlier and uh, now it's ready to upload it here in just a little bit. That's awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Appreciate, uh, appreciate it. it. All right. You bet. Bye-bye.